floats it over the top, bounces into the hands of Scully. Oh, oh great finish. Great finish from Blaine Scully. That should be it. It should be Corner's game. It should be Corner's trophy. It should be Europe for the boys. Champion triumph. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Cardiff Happy Life podcast. Uh, first one for a few weeks, but with there not really being much stuff going on Cardiff-wise, and to be honest, the Wales uh, Autumn Internationals were quite boring. Uh, I haven't really been bothered to make a podcast, but we're back with a bang this week. The Blue and Blacks are back in action uh, in the United Rugby Championship this weekend, so we'll have plenty of stuff about the mini South Africa tour coming up uh, towards the end of the podcast. We'll also touch on Wales a little bit as well, and there's been some off-field news over the last two or three weeks. But we're going to start with the team that have been in action uh, at the Arms Park over the last three weeks, and that is the Rags. Beautiful break, Jared Evans. He has support. Lewis Hughes outside him. He's not so invisible after all. Lewis Hughes, a little bit of space. There, this straightens up, doesn't he? Shows the inside ball. The Dragons take the dummy. Great pace there. So it's been a pretty good uh, three or four weeks for Cardiff RFC. Um, obviously started not too well going down 25-28 to Newport so that the Black Numbers have done the double over us. But we've bounced back in style with a 32-7 bonus point win over Ebu Vale and then the crushing 6-45 bonus point win away at Pontypridd on Saturday afternoon. Um, I've been to two of those. I went to the Newport and the Ebu Vale game and seen the highlights of the Pontypridd game from Saturday. And I think we've certainly improved as a squad over the last three weeks, mainly coming from the fact there's been some sort of consistent team selection, obviously, uh, with the internationals away from the first team. Uh, Dai Young has made the decision just to keep most of the first team in training during those few weeks. I know they had the first week or two off of the Autumn Internationals and then... Um, they've just been working hard going towards South Africa then where they flew off on Saturday. So whereas we thought we might see a few first-team players drop down for some game time, he's chosen just to keep them all in their normal training pattern, uh, which has meant that the Rags then have been able to enjoy uh, relatively su- uh, similar team selections week in, week out. Although the, the, there's been changes between the starting 15 and the bench, the match day 23 has been fairly consistent. And I think what we've seen from that then is an improvement in those areas where playing together regularly and getting that bit of squad cohesion is likely to improve it. So the attackers made a big step forward, I think, just in terms of having that bit of extra cutting edge. And quite often, like in the, even in the sort of year or two pre-pandemic, but certainly since uh, the Rags have been back in action this season, we've seen that they've had to rely on more individual moments of brilliance rather than uh, the attack benefiting from a flowing attacking structure that the team has put together. Um, so, for example, in the game against Ebu Vale, where uh, it was quite t- uh, tight for the first hour and then we went away with it in the last 20 minutes or so, with Jack Maynard there at fly half, you know, we were we were very, very samey and, and very over, like overly structured, really, in what we were trying to do with our attack. You know, we had two options, essentially. Either Maynard went short to a carrying pod outside him or he stepped into second receiver and the carrying pod went into first receiver and they had the option of, of carrying up or pulling the ball back to Maynard. So, you know, when that's gonna when that's your only attack in shapes, a, a defence is going to cotton on to that quite quickly. And Ebu Vale for that first hour were very solid. They uh, brought their defensive line-up relatively quickly, which meant that even if we were trying to you know, throw them the little dummy of putting the forward in a first receiver and then pulling the ball back, they were able to deal with that quite well. And, and we were getting bogged down in midfield quite a lot. What we've seen then is uh, over the, the last few weeks with the consistent centre selection of Ryan Wilkins and Johan Evans in there, um, the addition of Dan Fish as well for that little bit of X factor and then 
the experience of James Beale out wide, I think we've managed to fall into a attacking structure which suits us a lot better where we've got big carriers up front. We know we've always had them, Alex Everett. You've got Sam Moore there. Alan Lawrence has played regularly for the Rags over the last few weeks as well. So we've got that platform. And then where the centres have worked out how to play together a little bit more and they've been able to come off Dan Fish, who stands a little bit flatter. You know, we see some of the tries we scored over the last two weekends and Johan Evans running a nice line off first receiver towards the end of that game against Ebu Vale. And then you've got Ryan Wilkins running uh, really nice lines uh, against Pontepreed on Saturday and scoring a fantastic individual try from that. So uh, the attack has, has improved a lot. And then you can also go back to the platform the attack plays from as well, where in the first, well, throughout the game against Newport, really, and then certainly in the first half against Ebu Vale, the line-out really struggled. Obviously, there's a little bit of an injury issue uh, in the type five for the Rags at the moment, particularly in the second row. Sean Moore's suffered a bad knee injury. We haven't seen much of Rory Bartle in there. Uh, we've had Teddy Williams go up to the first team, so he hasn't been around. So Reese Anstey's been joined by guys like Alex Everett or James Richards, who are back rowers by trade. It's unclear who is calling the lineouts. So if it is Anstey, you know, obviously he's very young and he'll only just be doing that for the first time at senior level. But then if it's somebody like Everett or James Thomas, then I think the likelihood is they won't have done that very often either, although they're a bit more experienced. It would usually be somebody like Sean Moore, I think, was calling them at the start of the season, or Rui Bartle's got plenty of experience doing that. So um, I think we had a couple of weeks to adjust, but sounds like against Pontypridd and from the, the footage as well that our lineup went a lot better and we get the... Uh, rolling more try early doors for Yestin Harris as well and so when that's set up for us it adds another real weapon as an attacking threat in its own right but also as a platform for the backs to play off um, elsewhere then I think the defences look very good um, and the scrum is a real weapon for us and I, it makes a mockery of what Graham Price was writing about the Wales team after the South Africa game I think it was where he was saying that somebody like Reese Carey should go back to the Premiership to sort of follow this path that Wynne Jones supposedly took to being one of the, the better scrummagers in Wales well last few weeks I've watched like the likes of Kieran Azarati for example no no disrespect to Azza but you know he's obviously not quite on Reese Carey's level yet and Azarati's been destroying the scrums going up against him we were dominant against Newport we were massively dominant against Edward Vale and I understand we were relatively dominant against Pontypridd in that area as well so um, that's been a real weapon for us and, and Graham Price has got egg on his face certainly over that and then I think the only other area where I'd like to see us continually improve is is the counter-attack because we've got some real weapons back there you know Jacob Beetham's playing really well at fullback I really like the look of the next academy fullback coming through Cameron Winnett who got his first start in the position for the Rags against Pontypridd on Saturday um, then you add in some exciting wingers, you know, Theo Cabango, that try he scored against Newport, hell of a player he's going to be. I think if we are able to form up a bit quicker on the counter-attack when we're receiving kicks, we can actually cause sides a lot of problems that way. I think we're maybe being a little bit slow in that area and just leaving it to the guy who's receiving the ball to try and do something individually. But if we were forming up quickly and trying to stretch the pitch on kick returns, we could get a lot of joy that way as well. Um, individually then I mentioned Azarati's performances he's looked very good I've been impressed by Reed Sandstey stepping up in that engine room uh, looks a big old boy as well I think he's still uh, Wales in 20 qualified so hopefully see him uh, on that stage in February in March for Six Nations and then through to the Junior World Championship uh, Alan Lawrence has been way too good for this level um, I'll talk about it with the squad a bit later but he really should be involved in that Dan Fish another level try scored against Pontypridd was superb 
you know, he's, he's doing things with his eyes shut. And I know I was reading an interview with Griff Reese on the Cardiff Rugby website recently where they, Fishy does want to um, do more coaching and less playing, but you know, he's one of the best players we've got at the moment, so it's difficult to, to see that changing. Um, I've been impressed with Johan Evans in the centre as well, a player who we've obviously released and then has been brought back in after playing for Wales in the 20s over the summer. But he's got maybe, I don't know whether it comes from that being released and he's got a bit of chip on his shoulder or whether he's just naturally, you know, very physical and abrasive in his carrying. But he's, he's looking confident every time he gets the ball. He fancies himself against whichever defender, which is a great trait to have. And he's starting to pick some really nice lines off 9 and 10 now to really make an impact with his carrying game. Um, and then the two standout players at the moment, uh, Theo Cabango on the wing is, you know, is, is obviously you don't want to overhype a young player, and he hasn't really played that much. He's had injuries that kept him from playing Wales under 18, and then uh, really hurt his shoulder training for Wales under 20 before the under 26 Nations last season. But he's back fit and firing now, and obviously he's got the sort of you know people will make comparisons to Shane Williams because he's slightly shorter in stature and he's he's absolutely rapid, can change direction without really dropping any speed, which is incredible. But uh, deceptively strong as well, good in contact, can go in, get to ground quickly, recycle the ball. Uh, has been very effective at attacking breakdown situations in the wider channels as well for the Rags over the last few weeks. So he's certainly one to watch, and then Jacob Beatham as well. Uh, a fullback seems to have the full package where he's uh, playing a bit better uh, over the last few weeks and getting the confidence from stringing good games together. He's adding things like sidesteps to his game. You know, he's really looking to hurt teams on uh, counter-attack when he's running kicks back. He's solid under the high ball. Very good footballer and playmaker as well from having played as a fly half coming through the system. So uh, it might be something I'll write about in a few weeks, but I would certainly suggest that there's no immediate need to go out and replace Hallam Amos when we've got somebody like Jacob Beetham coming through the ranks and that all links in then to maybe getting a more consistent team selection in the first team where if there's an opportunity to see Ben Thomas as a fullback more with Hallam Amos going you've got two similar style players there in Thomas and Beetham who are good and you know solid under high ball good defensively good footballers but then can also step up into the attacking line a little bit wider and, and go with their legs or step in at first receiver and be decent playmakers and it just develops that consistency to the first team attack so that we can play our game more often uh, and try and impose that on oppositions rather than having to sort of battle and, and grind victories out as we have done once or twice this season so far all in all though good for the rags um the competition the this indigo group premiership cup the format seems to have changed somewhat since it was announced um it was initially semi-finals with first v second from the east and west divisions playing each other going through to the final it's now randomly become quarterfinals at some point which didn't seem to be announced um so uh, although we're likely to finish second her newport in the eastern division will still have a home quarterfinal and play the third place team in the western division um but that's waiting to be confirmed with the last game of the regular season of the cup campaign against merthyr at the arms park on saturday so do get down and support the boys if you can Desi standing out wide. Jared Evans. Uh, good work by the outside. Lovely pass. Anscom. Now then, Sutherland for the corner. Could be a second try here for the Blues. Brilliantly executed. Moving on then in the podcast, plenty still to cover this week. So we're going to do a little roundup of uh, the main news stories from the Arms Park that we missed over the last two, three weeks. Um, the main one in terms of player personnel is that Ben Murphy has left the club with immediate effect to join Green King Championship side Doncaster Knights. Um, I think it's probably the start of Dai Young's proper uh, evolution of the squad. 
seeing a number of fringe and uh, younger players who aren't going to make the grade moving on so that we've obviously got space on the wage budget for the likes of Thomas Young and Talupi Faletau if, if we need them, if they don't have that 80%, but also so that there's further players that Dai Young will no doubt want to bring in and, and freeing up wage budget to do that is going to be key because obviously we don't have money growing on trees. Um, in terms of Murphy himself, it's a disappointing one really. I think... I understand why Dyer's decided to move him on. Obviously, he hasn't really played much since uh, Young's come back for his second stint, and uh, he's been injured as well at the start of this season. But I think I think the disappointment uh, in terms of Murphy himself comes from the fact that we released him at 18, because you know, as people who listen to the podcast or read my stuff online will know, I've been a big fan of Murphy over the last few years, and and that stems from the fact that we don't produce six foot five, 120 kilogram second rows very often from our own patch so when they do come through I think they need to be nurtured and I, I think he could have done a job for us I still think he could have been uh, part of our squad now but I understand why Dyer's chosen to, to move him on but really what should have happened is that at 18 we should have identified you know this guy is it can play a bit but also he's massive so why don't we keep him in the, the academy for two or three years, see what we can do with him in terms of improving his skills whilst maintaining that size. And then hopefully by the time he's 21, 22, he's ready to play consistently for the first team. Instead, what we did was released him at 18. He went and played for Merthyr as they got promoted from the championship and then started winning regularly in the premiership. We sort of took notice and were like, oh, okay, yeah, let's take a punt on him now at, at sort of 2021. But by that time, you know, we'd missed those key development years, 18, 19, 20. And it was playing catch up, and it just hasn't worked out. So, you know, it's it's a a tough one, really, because it's, it's sort of like a, a what if situation. What if we had kept him eighteen? What could he have done now? But hopefully, with Murphy, uh, we take some learnings going forward in that. And I think we are seeing that a bit um, with the with Griff Reese now as academy boss. Obviously, he wasn't at the time when Murphy would have left. Um, and that we're, we're taking punts on these guys a little bit more, getting them in, playing for the rags, and seeing what they can do. Somebody like Reese Anstey, for example may have been released a couple of years ago but now we're keeping him on and, and seeing what he can do for Murphy himself then great opportunity to go and play regularly uh, at a good level in the championship Doncaster uh, towards the top end of that as well so um, good luck to him and thank you for his contribution in a Cardiff jersey um, and then the other news uh, from the Arms Park over the last few weeks has been the Cardiff Athletic Club AGM happened this week um, Essentially, there's not a lot of news from that as such, but it, it sort of changes how we're looking at the lease negotiations a bit. So uh, the current lease is up at the start of February, uh, into two, three months' time. But there is going to be a, a short-term sort of three-year extension to that agreed, which is effectively the same terms as the current lease, but the area of land uh, behind the North Stand and then covering the Bowls Club and potentially a bit of the Holiday Inn car park as well will revert to Athletic Club ownership and then they're going to look at refurbishing and redeveloping the North Stand and, and try and commercialise that area of land behind it. They're also going to try and refurbish the South Stand as well as a matter of urgency and then Cardiff Rugby are looking at a, a big overhaul of the Pack Bar area and that, that whole um, piece of land between the clubhouse and the Pack Bar seeing if they can get some, some covered uh, drinking area and a hospitality area not so even so much for Cardiff match days but more for Wales match days um, but the lease itself then obviously three years isn't ideal and after however long to a decade or so of negotiations to only have a, essentially a three-year extension to the current agreement is is disappointing you know I've called regularly for for people to take a long hard look about whether they are the right people uh, in their respective positions either in the management committee of Cardiff Athletic Club or on the board of uh of Cardiff rugby 
But that's going to have to be put to one side for a moment now because the initial uh, aim for mainly for the Cardiff Rugby Board has to be sorting out the professional game in Wales. So basically, there's no way that Cardiff Athletic Club can offer longer than a three-year extension to the lease because as things stand, we don't really know what the picture of Welsh professional rugby is going to be in three years. The current agreement between for payments from the WIU to the four professional sides goes up to the year end in 2023, but... Uh, beyond that, there's there's no way we, they, you can budget or you can forecast financially, even for Cardiff to be in existence, really. You know, the WIU have got a two-year period whereby they could give notice to us that we're, they're no longer entering us in the United Rugby Championship, for example, as they're the stakeholders there. Uh, and we would be a professional rugby club without a competition to play in. So, you know, it, it's a, a very tenuous situation and it's something for Alan Jones in particular as chairman and, and being on the PRB, supported by Richard Holland then, to that they really need to with the other two independent regions and hopefully the dragons become independent shortly get a grip on governance of the professional game and take it into our own hands set up some sort of prl type uh, limited company like they've got in england and, and that should be running the professional game the four chairman yes they can be representative from the executive board of the wiu but we should be then handling all of the revenue linked to the professional game that's competition stuff uh, from the URC, from uh, European competition, and also from the international game, we should be taking all that money. We should then be saying, right, we're going to pay you, the WRU, as you'll basically become the Welsh Amateur Rugby Union Board. You get this amount of money, and then we sort the rest of it out. We can then drive our own revenues up that way. We can have a look at entering into some sort of British and Irish League or in, uh, Anglo-Welsh Cup, trying to raise uh, revenues linked to our club games. As That's where the exponential growth is in rugby now. The international game is reaching... A sort of pinnacle there that is going to plateau where you can't bleed any more money out of it the club game is where the massive growth is and we in wales need to be getting our professional clubs uh handling the professional game ourselves so that we can properly capitalize on that growth with you know private equity firms coming in and and television companies obviously calling shots with their big tv deals so that's the obvious thing once we then get hold of professional game can start planning for medium to long-term futures we can then get a long-term lease on the arms park working with the cardiff athletic club we can then refurbish and redevelop the arms park so that it's a fitting stadia for professional rugby in the modern day and age and uh, it has you know suitable hospitality areas so that that brings in commercial revenue but also it's a much better fan experience because at the moment you know there is no fan experience to talk of in the ground is effectively your fan experience is holding the thing up so that's where the future is. Cardiff Athletic Club and Cardiff Rugby seem to be on the same page in terms of you know more uh, the lease negotiations and when the time is right, there will be a long-term lease there. But Cardiff Rugby need to get our future in our own hands to start with. Around the corner they go. Big Scottish defence this. The best defence of the championship being stretched to its limits. Will it be broken? Andrew Bray says yes it has. Wales capitalise on a leaky lineout, and Rhys Carney, the Cardiff Colossus, scores his first try in the Red of Wales. I'll briefly touch on uh, Wales' autumn uh, international campaign then at this point of the podcast. So uh, I did a podcast after the New Zealand game. Uh, since then, we've lost 18-23 to South Africa, uh, beaten Fiji 38-23, and then beaten... Uh, Australia, oh, I can't remember what the score was off the top of my head now, 29-28, I think it was in the end on, on uh, Saturday evening. 
Uh, an autumn international campaign that won't live long in the memory for many. I don't think it was, you know, we were fairly often the uh, the second or third on the build. Some great games elsewhere, you know, on the weekend, for example, us being sandwiched in between England versus South Africa and France v New Zealand. You know, we were very much the um, Super Bowl halftime show where everyone goes and flushes the toilet at the same time. So uh, I think outside of Wales, not many remember it. Inside of Wales, probably many won't either, especially if you're being sick on kids in the stadium. But for those of us sort of with an eye on 2023 and, and who do watch rugby a bit more regularly, I think we probably understand that uh, performance-wise it wasn't great, but in terms of building depth uh, in the player pool and improving the quality and experience within that player pool, it's been pretty uh, successful for Wayne Pivak. Obviously, we haven't had the likes of Ken Owens, Alan Wynne-Jones. Um, we've lost Jake Ball and Corey Hill over the summer. There, Ross Mariotti got injured early doors. There was no Fallatown, no Tipperick. Um, we didn't see a huge amount of guys like Callum Sheedy or Gareth Anscombe. John Davis was used sparingly. George North was injured as well. Lee Halfpenny was injured. So, you know, a lot of these guys who have been stalwarts to the side for the last uh, at least four or five years not involved, which means then that you get guys like Reese Carey starting a bit more. Ryan Elias obviously started every game. Um, Adam Beards had to take on more of a leadership role. We've seen Will Rowlands, Seb Davis, Ben Carter, Chris Shunza, uh step up. Tame Basham and has uh, obviously been a bit of a revelation. Alice Jenkins has returned uh, close to his previous best level. Wayne Wright's got some good game time at number eight, where he hasn't played much before at the international level. Uh, Thomas Williams has had his first campaign where he's been real first choice for a couple of years. And then in the centre, I think we found a potential long-term centre partnership with Nick Tompkins and Willis Halaholo towards the next World Cup. Um, and Johnny McNichol was a bit of a revelation early doors as well at fullback. So uh, we've got players now much more capable of stepping into the starting positions when they need to. But then also when our more experienced or first-choice players are back, they'll revert to being replacements. So our replacement bench will look a lot stronger than it was beforehand. And then we've got young players coming through, particularly uh, in that sort of engine room uh, second row and blindside flanker slots with the likes of Seb, Shunza and Carter replacing the lost um, Hill and Ball and adding a bit more depth and quality there and obviously they're only going to get better as we build towards France 2023 and then beyond as well so um, positive in that sense I think it also is positive in that there are negatives if that makes sense because now Wayne Pivak knows that really what he has to drill in on and he has to mainly get on to the case of Jonathan Humphreys as forwards coach because every aspect of our set piece needs work um, obviously the scrum needs uh, a lot of work doing Alex Corbusiero wrote a great piece for Wales Online about the sort of lack of uh, cohesion within our eight-man shove there and, and the mechanics behind that which is really worth reading um, I thought line-out wise, we obviously recovered from that shocking show against New Zealand, but it's still, you know, it's very basic level stuff. It's a, a line-out system that will need a lot of work over the next two years to get it to an acceptable level by the World Cup. Um, more wise, we're heavily reliant on Adam Beard, both in attack and defence, and when he's not there, we struggle. So we need to do work on that. Getting guys like Carter, Shunza, Seb, Will Rowlands. Uh, Aaron Wainwright as well, really up to speed on that mall work. Um, but, you know, the, having those couple of areas to really work on it is good. It allows you to focus in, whereas I think after last autumn we were sort of saying, well, everywhere needs work. But the defence was very good. I thought Getting Jenkins done a very good job this autumn. The attack was getting there, I think, against Australia. I still maintain that Dan Bigger's the wrong 10 and that we need to start picking somebody who can actually get that back line moving to start and then bring Bigger on to manage the game in the last 20 minutes. But um, aside from that, I think 
I think Payback is getting there slowly and hopefully once again by the time Six Nations come around we'll have uh, sorted out those bugs within the set piece we'll get a, a team selection that suits us and we'll be hopefully ready to defend our title and, and maybe push on for a grand slam who knows but yeah areas to work on um, but more positives and negatives I would suggest just about from that autumn campaign here's Xavier Rush once more just edging forward all the time here Cardiff Laulala Laulala still going it's good work Chris Laulala here he is the master blaster once again and Jamie Roberts now will the space open up Lalala it might do for Xavier Rush at the wide for Lee Hathbury. and it's a try for Cardiff we finished then with what we've all been waiting for the last four weeks or however long it's been the return of Cardiff's first team to on-field action this weekend uh, obviously the lads are currently down in Cape Town at the moment before heading to Johannesburg to meet the Emirates Lions on Sunday afternoon it is a two o'clock kickoff UK time four o'clock South Africa so don't get them mixed up if you see um, them being advertised it's two o'clock for us uh, live on BBC one I believe or BBC two Wales one one or, or the other um so Dai Young's named a 32-man travelling squad that has gone down over last weekend to South Africa. Um, there are notable inclusions of uh, six players who've been involved with Wales's Autumn International campaign. So Rhys Carey, Kirby Myhill, uh, we've got Shane Lewis-Hughes, uh, Rhys Priestland, and, uh, Ben Thomas and Owen Lane have all gone, um, which is great to see, particularly the likes of Carey and, and Priestland who were involved in the game on Saturday going down. Uh, understandably then we've left Dylan Lewis who's got a little niggle as as uh, Willis Halaholo at home Ellis Jenkins obviously got to manage his game time still as he's still technically on the return from that long-term injury and then uh, Josh Adams also played a lot of rugby got a young family missed a lot of the summer in that Lions bubble as well so has understandably been left at home with Thomas Williams who also played every game of the autumn um uh, notable omissions then I would say are Alan Lawrence in particular I mentioned him earlier I think he would have been a good person to bring along as a backup number eight he impressed whenever he plays you know Rainbow Cup last year preseason against Harlequins he was very good and has, has obviously been too good for premiership level over the last few weeks playing for the rags but hasn't been included for whatever reason um, there's also no sign of Will Davis King who came off the bench against Dragons but uh, has now not gone so you question mark maybe an injury there uh, somebody who's definitely injured is James Botham, who's picked up a, a heel problem on the way back from recovery from so, uh, shoulder surgery that he had over the summer. Um, and then a couple of guys who I think will probably be wondering what their future at the club is. No Sam Moore, um, no Ollie Robinson, who will play for the Barbarians this weekend, no Lewis Jones, and no Jason Tovey either. Um, so I think a couple of guys who will be may, probably not at the club by the time that next season uh, swings around. Um, it's a good squad though that we've taken down a little bit stronger than I thought obviously there was some uh, debate beforehand about whether we'd maybe throw it and concentrate on the Heineken Cup or go all out for this um, these two games and, and then maybe throw the Heineken Cup to make sure that we qualify for next year's Heineken Cup again but Dai's gone a little bit stronger than we thought uh, and so we should be able to name a pretty decent side against the Lions this weekend and, and that game is the important one I think because on paper the Lions are the weakest of the four South African sides that have joined the URC this season they are sort of to my eyes now i'm not a massive uh expert or anything like that i don't know a lot about south african domestic rugby but to my eyes the lions are the connocks or the dragons in the sense that you look at their squad and they've at the time of recording on uh thursday afternoon they've already named their match day 23 
Um, uh, there's only one player in the starting 15 over 30, as far as I can see, Jacko Creel. Uh, the blind side flanker used to play for Gloucester and has got a handful of South African caps. Um, everyone else is aged sort of 25 or below, so the average age of the side is very young. A lot of them are guys who tried to get through the system at Stormers or Bulls, but then haven't quite made it and have gone on assignment for the Lions, or alternatively have played university rugby at the University of Pretoria and then been signed by the Lions. So they do sort of pick up, it seems to me, that the sort of scraps of, of uh, other teams and then put them together into a 23. They've got no Springbok internationals in their match day 23 from the, the squad just gone. Uh, obviously, Jacko Creel's got a few caps. Uh, Ruin Drayen on the bench, the replacement hooker, I think he is, has got a couple. And Willem, El, uh, Willem Albert, the replacement second row, who is 37 now, I think, has got a fair few, but hasn't played internationally for at least five or six years now. So um, they've got a bit of experience on the bench, but overall, they're quite a young team. They will be like the other South Africans in that they are you know, strong up front and they'll try and run the legs off you in the back line a bit. But I think uh, overall we should be stronger than them on paper. The leveller will be that we're playing at Ellis Park. It's 1,700 metres above sea level. It's 82% oxygen level. You know, it's it's going to be a tough one, having not played for a few weeks as well. That's what we're going to have to contend with. And so when it comes to picking our side, um, you sort of have that in mind whilst picking a 23 for Cardiff. It's going to be a full 23 effort. Guys are going to be very tired by that last 10, 15 minutes. So it's no shame to be on the bench at all this weekend because you're going to have a, a, a real uh, serious role in this game. Um, I think putting footballers in is probably the way to go. Not getting into a kicking battle, but just trying to play in the right areas, keeping um, the Lions nudged back into their 22, asking them to play out, seeing if they're going to kick to touch or kick in field and give us a chance to, to run it back and then set up our attack in their half. And once we do that, we really have to control the tempo up and down there. Because there'll be times when it's on to play and we can do that. Weather's looking decent-ish for Johannesburg on Saturday. The ground should be uh, relatively hard, as they usually are down there. Um, so there's an opportunity to run a bit. But also, we don't want to be busting our balls every single attacking set, going through phases, uh, you know, two-second rucks. Occasionally, we want to have that classic Lloyd Williams foot-on-the-ball approach and just slow it down for a couple before going back up to speeding again. So that's going to be really key for us. Um, I also think our defence is going to be tested seriously. I think we're going to have to ignore the breakdown somewhat and try and really focus on getting set up because where South Africans have that power, they're just going to blast us away when we're going to be jackaling. So unless the jackal's obviously on, we ignore that, get into line and make as many tackles as we can. Lions also haven't played for four or five weeks, uh, haven't played at home for a long time. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to catch them puffing a little bit as well and, and just ask them to break us down rather than giving them the easy opportunity to by overcrowding the breakdown area and leaving space elsewhere. Um, for that reason then, I think I'd go with this as my uh, team. So starting up front, um, I don't know about the fit. Loose head is a slight issue with fitness. Domachowski's had a surgical procedure over the last few weeks. Obviously, Carrie's played quite a lot for Wales. So... Um, I think if they're fit, you go all out for this one, try and win it, win it and then rest a few guys next week. So Carre starting at loose head, Kirby Myhill hooker, Dimitri Arhip on the tight head. Um, I then go with Teddy Williams and uh, sorry Matthew Screech and Roy Thornton to start in the second row. Um, back row then of, of Josh Turnbull, Will Boyd and James Ratty. Uh, and on the backs then, Lloyd Williams and Jared Evans uh, half-back. I go Ben Thomas and Owen Lane in my centres. And then the back three of uh, Jason the Bus Harris, Alid Summerhill and Hallam Amos. So you've got three footballers there in Jared, 
uh, Ben Thomas and Hallam Amos. You've also got a bit of physicality from Jason Harris and Owen Lane. And then the out-and-out speed and finishing of Alid Summerhill, I think, gives a, a nice balance to that back line. On the bench, then, Domachowski, if he's fit, otherwise Brad Thayer. Um, you'd have probably Liam Belcher as your hooker, bit of mobility in that last quarter, um, with Kieran Azarati as the tight head. Teddy Williams, second row option. Shane Lewis-Hughes as your back row cover. And then uh, Ellis Bevan I'd go with over Jamie Hill uh, just because he's, sli- I think, with the scrum halves, I've mentioned this before, but you've got Jamie Hill who's a bit more in the Lloyd Williams mould and then Ellis Bevan who's a bit more in the Thomas Williams mould. So I think you'd have the opposite on the bench. You wouldn't just have another Lloyd Williams at nine. You'd have Ellis Bevan who could change the game up if you need to, but then if you wanted to manage the last quarter, then you'd probably leave Lloyd out there. Um, so Bevan as my scrum half. Um, and then... I'd still consider Priestland as, as on the bench, even though Ben Thomas is out there, could cover 10. I think Priestland's game management could be key in that last quarter um, with either Max Cluellen or Matthew Morgan as the outside back cover. No no real uh, issue that way. I'd probably go Max Cluellen um, just because then Owen Lane can shift out to the wing or Ben Thomas can go back to full back if there is an issue in the back three. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, I expect Dye will go somewhere completely different and it is a difficult one to predict what he will do because obviously we're not sure what his tactics are going to be going into the game, whether he's going to try and play our normal game, go all out, or whether he's going to try and, and manage proceedings for a bit. But um, we've got good depth in that squad, so we've we've definitely got strong 15s no matter what way you want to approach the game. But for me, I think... Uh, a good a good uh, amount of running on the bench, followed by some football in uh, in the first hour, will be key to to us winning on Sunday. Um, if you are going down to the Arms Park Clubhouse, enjoy watching from there. Usually, a couple of people get down, so it should be a decent atmosphere. Otherwise, enjoy watching from your sofas. Get down to the Rags on Saturday as well, if you can, to face Merthyr. And for the first time in a few weeks, come on, Cardiff! <laughs>